Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I'm here selfishly reviewing my own album. Why? Well, why wouldn't I? I have a forum to do it. I have a new album that comes out and every little bit of promotion you can get is vital. So, of course, I'm going to do a, well, it's not really a review as much as a walkthrough and explanation, I suppose, of the songs on the album. There are 10 of them on this album, which is Entranced 2. The original Entranced album came out in 2006, and it was a very experimental album, as is this. But what happened was I sat down to write what was intended to be the first Mental Sauna album. And because I was just really getting into virtual instruments at the time, and there were a lot of cool sales going on, and I was gobbling them up like a Thanksgiving turkey, I ended up uh, adding a lot of things to the album that weren't intended for what would have been a Mental Sauna album. And so I just turned it into something else. Now, some interesting memories that I have with that are I had just moved into um, a new apartment. And actually, I'd, I'd been living there for a while now that I think about it. But there was a lot of uh, interesting smells in that apartment because there were a lot of people from different countries living there. So the foods that they were cooking, the spices that they were using, uh, were causing some very unique uh, aroma combinations in my apartment. Some pleasant, some not pleasant. Um, but I remember that when I was writing the first one. So here I am, I move into a new apartment. A few months later, I start working on Entrance 2. There's nothing like that. No weird smells or anything uh, bizarre. But uh, I had a good time writing it. I started writing it in August of 2020. And I finished the last song in uh, January of 2021. And then the album was released on February 17th, and it is still slowly appearing in different outlets. So it is now available on Amazon, iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, and there are more places coming on board. It's available on Bandcamp, and I'll have the links to what's available currently in the show notes. And then I have the link uh, to my website because that's going to have the most updated um, locations where the album will be available. But all the main ones are already in place which is the most important. So uh, happy that, um, that that fell in very well timing-wise for me to release this podcast. So uh, last week I had done the, uh, the Scott Adams second part of my interview with him, which I had so much fun talking to him. Um, but, uh, but I thought that uh, I would do the review this week, even though the album's already out. But that was good because it gave the, uh, the outlets to sell the album uh, a good opportunity to become available. So uh, I think that worked out well. Now, this album, like I said, it was uh, it was I finished the first song in on August 30th, which is called Mirage After Mirage. We'll get to that one uh, a little bit down the road in the um, in the order of things. But here's here's the thing is that I sort of um, file things by the date that I complete the song. So when I feel the song is done, that's the date that I put on it as far as what the writing date is. Because, you know, some songs happen in an hour, some songs happen over the course of weeks or months or even uh, a year or two. But the majority of them happen within a couple of days for me. And uh, with this album, because I've just been so busy with the two podcasts and everything else I've got going on and client work and that, um, I wasn't able to write as quickly as I normally would or be able to finish songs as quickly as I normally would. So, uh, so that's the premise of that. But here's the thing. Even if I think a song is finished, a lot of times what will happen is I'll record the song, I'll go to mix it, and I'll think, you know what, I'm just not happy with something in it. Something doesn't feel right. I don't like the flow of this. I need to change this instrument. It didn't come out as I had heard it. 
Um, so a lot of times in the, the mixing or even the mastering phase, I'll go back and change things, but that doesn't change that date. That date is based on the day that the principal writing was completed and I felt that the song was done. Um, if I didn't, I'd be switching things around on my spreadsheet ridiculously and um, who needs that? So, uh, so that's the way that it all came about. And I really just loved the album, um, the first one. And I, I had always thought about doing a follow-up to it because I had so much fun writing it. I already had created a set of rules for it. And so it would be easy to pick up and do another one, I thought. But what really uh, generated the idea of me actually doing it now was a picture that my, my wonderful artist Kelly sent to me and it was a, a picture of a dragonfly and she thought it would make a good album cover. And I thought, you know, I think it would make a great album cover. And I think it would go along very well with the uh, Entranced album, which was a moth. And that one was interesting because that is a real moth and that is real water. That is not uh, a drawing or a painting or anything. It looks very much like it is, but it's not. It's an actual photograph. I mean, she did a little touching to it, but it's it's basically the photograph and a real moth. So after that project came together, you know, she she had taken this picture and I thought, well, this would be really good. I've been looking for a reason to do this album anyway. So we just kind of partnered the two things together and uh, she did her magic. And then Rebecca Poole did her magic with the lettering. Always lovely. I really love the colors that she chose and the style fits so well together. Um, she did not do uh, we, we I don't even think we knew each other when I did the first album. Uh, Rebecca and I, I knew Kelly, obviously, because she did the cover, but I don't think Rebecca and I even knew each other then. And, and I hadn't hired her yet to start doing lettering anyway. So it wasn't. Um, so at, at some point, if I re-release the album, do like a remastering or whatever, or a, a remix of it, then I'll probably have her go back and do lettering over the original cover. But uh, both are just stunning. I absolutely love it. I love the colors of it. I love the the color of the lettering and the dragonfly and the the back. I mean, everything's just phenomenal to me. And I have to every time I have to give a shout out to these ladies because they really take what I I give them, which is not much. I mean, on this one, it wasn't the album cover wasn't my idea and I didn't draw some crazy thing that that was horrible and had to be interpreted by Kelly before she turned it into some amazing magic that had nothing to do with my original idea. Um, with Rebecca, she just gets the cover and I'm like, well, here's the original album. Here's what it looked like. Um ignore the lettering because I just kind of did that on the fly and, um, you know, do what you think is right. Keep in mind that at some point I may have you go back and do lettering for the first one. Um, but, but the both, the two of them, they just whip up absolute magic every time. And I could not be happier with the results. Definitely a dream team for me. They're so wonderful to work with and so talented and, and just so great at what they do. They have a great vision. They follow it through very well. Um, it's, it's never combative. It's always, just a, a free exchange of ideas the way that it should be, you know, because at the end of the day, it's all about promoting the project. Everything that, that all three of us do is about promoting the project and, uh, and and showing off our skills a little bit in the way of doing that. And they just do such a, a good job. I, I could not be happier with the two of them. Um, as far as the music goes, I did have uh, I did. Uh, open up the set of rules that I had for the first one, which was basically uh, a certain foundation of percussion. And then um, certain uh, synthesizers had to be used to keep the consistency of, of the, uh, the sonic quality. So uh, it's a little frustrating to me because the main synth that I used for this was one that I had picked up on one of the sales. It was called Vapor. And this was back in um, like 2005, 2004, probably. 
and maybe a little bit earlier than that. And I just loved it. I loved the sound of it. And it really became a, uh, a staple on the album. Well, here's the problem is that it's kind of disappeared um, as a lot of the others in that series were uh, revamped and um, re-released under a new engine. This one somehow seemed to be missed. And I reached out to several companies that seemed to be involved with it or distributors of it. And everybody was like, yeah, that's not ours. I don't know what to tell you. And nobody has taken any credit for it. So it's not like I can just say, hey, uh, you guys forgot this one in your collection. Would you mind doing it? Or I'll hire you to convert these uh, sounds into your new engine or whatever. Uh, So a lot of the parameters that I had available in the original one are not available now. I have to kind of backdoor a, a way of getting into the sounds. So it's a little more limiting now, but the sounds themselves are are just so great that it's it's worth it. And also the consistency from the first album to this one was very important. So if anybody has any information on that, uh, it came out in the uh, original Contact, uh, which was, I think, called Compact, K-O-M-P-A-K-T, uh, because it's German. And that's how they were doing everything for that series. And I believe it was... Oh, I can't think of the name of the sounds um, that it came out listed as. It wasn't, it wasn't best service. It was um, Pro Sounds, I think. I, I think was the name of it. But anyway, there were there were a bunch of them that came out for that compact engine, and then eventually East West changed all their stuff over to the Play engine, and they went back and did all these like classics of uh, you know all the different instruments that had come out under that Pro Sounds thing. And they revamped them. But for some reason, nobody did Vapor. And even when I've contacted East West or even when I've talked to them at the NAMM show, they're like, yeah, we don't know anything about it. And uh, they one of them tried to look for it and couldn't find anything. And I'm like, I just I don't know what to do because it came out. You know, this was part of that same group. So it's really weird to me that that the one that I care about the most seems to be the one that um, has the most controversy and is just uh, missing. So I still have the old compact version, but that compact engine doesn't run the same in the uh, the newer uh, versions of Windows and all that. So anyway, the whole thing is weird. I have to backdoor it, but it was worth doing because that uh, that really creates a certain part of the atmosphere for the album. Now, of course, I've used a lot of other stuff on here. I've used some stuff from uh, Zero G, which I love, and um, God, they just make some great libraries. Um, and uh, you know, the percussion, most of it's from East West. But it's uh, it is a little frustrating, but I found some really nice sounds to use on this and uh, some really nice things to blend together. Uh, the other thing that I used um, on this was uh, a- an engine by a company called, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, in Susaro. I think that's right. Uh, if it's not, I apologize. But they have a, a really nice uh, dual sound engine and you have a lot of abilities to control how it sounds. And so I, I blended a lot of that into these uh, these pieces as well. Um, just just a lot of fun, you know. And then in the end, uh, the, for the last song, which we'll we'll get to obviously last, I started experimenting a little bit with um, uh, the uh, the new zero G vocal engine, and I put some vocals into the last song, which uh, I really loved. It, it, it at first I thought it was going to be really limiting, but it's actually not. I found some things that just worked perfectly for the song. At least as far as I'm concerned, it worked perfectly for the song. So uh, the first song is actually Beyond the Gates, which was the fourth song that I wrote for the album. And here is a, uh, a bit of that.
So the idea behind this song was basically the concept of something being uh, really changing and different of a world beyond a door or a gate. And uh, visually, I was kind of picturing the uh, the Gates of Mordor in Lord of the Rings, the Peter Jackson movies, um, because they were just, you know, on the other side of it was a completely different world from this barren uh, wasteland that was on their side of the gate. And uh, just kind of went with that, just what the journey would be changing into a completely different world. The the beat being the uh, sort of, um, you know, anticipation and maybe a little bit of fear of what was going to be seen or discovered or what danger you might be in. And the whole album concept is really about the journey home. And from wherever you're at, wherever you ventured out to, to experience life, and at some point you're going to come back home and find that safety and regroup and, and venture out again. And this is really what the album is about, that journey and a lot of the dangers and different things that you discover along the way. So obviously, you know, much more exaggerated lands that you would just find normally, like let's say you move out of state and go to college or whatever, and then you come back home. If that's the journey that you're taking, um, obviously the the landscapes aren't going to be so extreme and weird and intense that they're just going to be other cities and countryside or whatever is between point A and point B. But there's a lot of educational stuff, then a lot of life lessons and things, and that might be the more intense journey that you would uh, equate to the to the music. But in any case, that's that's the basic concept of the album. And so Beyond the Gates is like saying, okay, it's it's time to go home. Let's get in whatever method of transportation we're using, whether we're walking or driving or or you know flying, whatever it is. And let's let's get to it. I'm I don't know what's going to happen between point A and point B, but we're we've got to start at some point, And here is the start of that journey. Encounter was actually the last song that I wrote for the album. I was working on a couple of different ideas and I decided to ditch one of them and pursue this. I don't think the other one was really uh, complimentary to the album, so I didn't pursue it. You know, maybe someday it'll get used for something else. Uh, I don't know. But um, this song was the idea of, you know, okay, so you're, you're on the journey you're settling into it, you're accepting the length of the uh, time it'll take you to get to the destination, you're sort of mentally preparing, and then you come across, uh, you know, something that is your first challenge sort of thing. And so it has some twists and turns in it, but it was basically based on that idea. And I started thinking about, too, uh, as I was developing some of the songs, I started thinking about a lot of the nature videos that I've seen for a while. I was really into having those on and learning about how animals worked as far as how they they teach their young, you know, because they can't just sit them down and say, look, kid, this is how it is. Um, the, the babies somehow seem to just learn the pecking order. They learn what their place is. They learn what they should and shouldn't do. And I don't really get how they learn that because it's not like, um, you know, like I said, you can sit them down and explain it, but it's also not like 
every one of them has lessons in making mistakes and learning, okay, that's not the thing to do. So it's really interesting. And, and so many of them have such intense orders, you know, the way that lion prides work or uh, groups of hippopotamus, and uh, they de- ha- have a definite pecking order. And it's really all about uh, dominance and challenging uh, when you think it's your time to, to lead. Uh, very interesting uh, how that all works. So I started thinking about those kind of videos and about how, you know, different groups do and don't get along, how alligators and hippopotamus can can live in harmony, but they also, you know, you take one step out of bounds and the other one will just attack you like, like you know, you, like you stole their baby. And uh, it's really amazing. So I learned a lot from watching those and I kind of started thinking about um, that and maybe that first encounter of you're just um, innocently sipping from the edge of a river and uh, an alligator just comes out of nowhere and tries to bite your head. And that's the sort of uh, dangers that live in the in the real world. And so I tried to capture some of those musically. And this was one where I was definitely thinking about like, um, you know, there's there's so many animals that seem to be like just born to be food. Like they don't really serve any other purpose other than being a food like a zebra. You know, a zebra doesn't really do much except get eaten by lions and, and alligators and things. They seem to be caught constantly. So I, I think about animals like that, and I've seen so many videos of some innocent looking, you know, just a, a young fawn or something, just taking a sip at the very edge of the water. And I don't know how they can't see that there's something in there, but they, you know, alligators are very quick. They disguise themselves very well in the water as well. So it's just amazing to watch this stuff. So that was kind of my thought, like you're just taking your first innocent little drink and the next thing you know, there's an alligator snapping at you. Uh, fortunately, a lot of these animals have incredibly quick reflexes. So they, uh, a lot of them escape, but you know, there's plenty that don't. Dystopia Landscape was actually the second to the last song that I wrote for the album. So this would have been uh, the ninth in the order of writing. Um, I felt that there was something kind of missing from just a part of the journey that's just, you know, lots of countryside and nothing really interesting happening or just kind of a barren wasteland and discovering what uh, what secrets and adventures that it holds. And so I started playing around with some different soundscape kind of feels and, and just adding in little bits of effects here and there, like a, a bubbling of, of, of water. Maybe there's a bog or a swamp or something. But thinking again, in terms of the journey leading up to the gates in Lord of the Rings, uh, just, you know, this barren land of, of nothingness or, or destruction or former glory rotted away. You know, the concept of just all these strange places that you might uh, you might see in a journey like that, especially if you're, you know, you're not driving on the road, you're traversing through just just whatever land you need to go to go through to get to that point. And um, yeah, the song was really just born of that. When I first started working on the album, I would just write whatever felt right. And I didn't want to uh, come up with names because I hadn't really shaped what I wanted the album to be yet. So at the at the beginning, everything was just like one, two, three, four. 
And then as I as things started to come together, I started naming the songs. And then um, once, you know, I was like, I, I know I want this one to be third. I know I want this one to be second or, or whatever. Um, I would just kind of notate that and then I would listen to them in that order every time I listened back to things to see if it really felt right. And this being one of the last that I wrote, I actually felt that it was much better in this position because things are still early in the journey. There's a lot left to be discovered and a lot left to happen. So I thought, you know, a nice little um, gentle reminder of how crazy the world can be would be uh, perfect in, in the number three slot. After Mirage was actually the first song I finished. I think there was one I was writing before that that I scrapped for the project. Um, you know, if there was, I still have it. I, I keep all that stuff on an unfinished uh, music folder. But um, I think that was the, the either the first or the second idea I had, but the first song I actually finished that uh, ended up on the album. And it's just that that idea of, you know, finally thinking that you found an oasis that you found a, a resting point, and then it turns out it's really not. And then there's a, the next one, you're, you're like, oh, okay, well, there it is. Nope, that's not one either. Okay, well, this one's got to be it. Nope, that's not it. And you're getting tired and you want to rest and, and you know, take a break and eat or whatever. And uh, just really the concept of that. Discovery in the Woods was about the idea of the woods being such a mysterious place. It seems like uh, that's where people leave things that they don't want to deal with. That's where they take it to hide things or to, to disassociate themselves from it or, um, you know, just just weird things that are there naturally. And I had that idea and the idea was kind of digging into, you know, do you really inspect it? Do you stay away from it and ignore it? Do you dig into it to find out what it's all about? There's so many things, so many dangers, a lot of decisions that need to be made. And really just kind of the, is curiosity going to win? Is self-preservation going to win? Just saying, play it safe for, you know, for your own safety. Um, I don't know. And that's kind of what this song deals with.
BYBSL is uh, is an acronym, which I won't reveal here. Maybe somebody will figure it out someday. But the essence of the song is this is sort of that part in the journey where you've been through a lot, but you're starting to think about what you left, what you're heading towards, and just accepting the change, letting go of things that don't serve you, but still being a little bit haunted by by maybe some darkness of whatever you think you've let go, but you really haven't. Because it seems like we do that a lot. We seem to to say things like, oh, I've dealt with that. It's all in the past or whatever. But it's not because we've not really let go of all of it 100%, even if it's subconsciously. There's little moments that will creep into your head. There's arguments that you'll have uh, you know, with, with people in your past that, you, that didn't happen, but you're just kind of playing that out. And that's all signs of the fact that we really haven't let things go. So that's basically the, uh, the idea behind this song is, is just kind of trying to find ways to accept whatever we're, we're leaving and get ready for whatever we're headed to. And it's a little more relaxed, but with just a touch of darkness to, um, you know, to, to just further that point a little bit. Back Through the Looking Glass was uh, interesting the way it came about. One of the pieces that I've written throughout the course of of my career as a writer is uh, Through the Looking Glass, which was on the first Entranced album. And it's one that I've just loved. I love the sonic qualities of it. I love the mystery of it, the tone. Everything was just um, something that, that really hit home with me. And it's always been one of my favorites. So as I was piecing together this album, um, this is actually, um, can't remember where it was in, in the way that I wrote it. It was actually number six, I think. And it appears in, on the seventh position in the album. But the way that I was doing it was I had my foundation of percussion. That was my template. And then um, I loaded in certain instrument um, groups that I knew I would want to work with, like in Sussero and uh, Vapor. And while I was playing through some of the vapor sounds, trying to find ones that I wanted to use for the next song, because I would I would pick all the the sounds and then I would, uh, you know, add them into the template, make my track sheet. And those would be the sounds like whatever I was going to do. That was my stock sounds for the song. And that was part of the challenge was to make a song from those sounds. Now, I could interchange sounds here and there. And uh, if it needed more, I would add some. If one just didn't work with the direction that the song ended up taking, I would drop it. But basically, that was always the challenge. And that's the way I wrote the first album. So as I'm playing through the different uh, sounds in Vapor, trying to find one I want to work with, I came across this sound, which was the sound that I used in the original song, um, Through the Looking Glass. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be neat to kind of do a a follow-up song to it? And that's why I ended up writing this one. I played around with it. I, I had some similarities, but I kind of took it as, you know, the journey going in is one way and it's going to feel a certain way. The journey coming back might be completely different. So while the song bears a resemblance to the initial song, just in mainly that uh, one one section of it and one of the synthesizers, 
it also is is completely different. And I think a lot of times when we go on journeys, we come back different people. And so it was kind of that uh, that bit, like the journey is going to be different, but we're also going to be different as well. And that was how this ended up on the album. So the next two songs really deal with uh, the same sort of theme, but from two different perspectives. So this perspective, Crossing the River, again, if you've ever watched um, videos of what it's like on the Serengeti during the wet season, you've got uh, these animals are, are migrating from one destination to another for the next season, and they have to cross the Serengeti. Now, the Serengeti is a very dangerous place, especially this time of year because it is feeding season for crocodiles and alligators and pretty much everybody. But those are those are the guys that live there and they're just waiting for different animals to cross in groups. A lot of times you'll see um, zebras especially. So zebras was kind of what I was thinking of for this example, although there's plenty of animals that uh, go through this same uh, same thing. But zebras are... Um, you know, they'll they'll stand at the edge and they'll look around and they'll try and scout out whether they think it's safe. But at some point, they're just going to go for it. They got to get across that river. And I don't know all the ins and outs of why or where they're headed and, and how that part works. But I do know that they need to get across that river. And it's not something that you can just go around or there's going to be a bridge at some point. Like you have to go through the water. And who's living in that water? Crocodiles. Of course they are. And they'll they're very selective about how they hunt which one they're going to go after. And we'll get to that in the next song. But basically, this is kind of the anticipation of, oh, God, all right, this is going to suck. We're not all going to make it, but we got to do it. So pick your shot and go. And just that anticipation, that build up, that fear, that determination, um, all those things rolled into one, the adrenaline. Um, I don't know if, if zebras or, or other animals have adrenal glands the way that we do. But there's got to be something similar to that, I would think. And just just all of that rolled into this song, the emotions, the ups and downs, the, uh, you know, you could be terrified, but you got to do it anyway kind of thing. And that is how this part of the uh, the adventure came about. Last Meal of the Crocodiles is the second half of this uh, this two-part episode in the journey. 
And this is really told from uh, the crocodile's perspective. They're just in the water. They're hiding. Sometimes they don't hide as much as you'd think that they would because there's so many of them that they don't really need to hide under the surface and surprise anybody. They'll, they'll wait, but they'll pick. They're very methodical. They'll pick who they're going to go for and they'll wait and others will, will walk right by and you'd think that they're just going to bite into any of them. And they're like, nope, that's not the one I want. I'll wait. And they're very patient. And so in the beginning of the song, all those little sort of chittery sounds that you hear in the background are, are all the zebra trying to cross and, and uh, just, you know, they're scared. Some of them are really young and they're, they might think it's playful and not really understand the danger they're in. And then uh, you hear the, uh, the sound then of the brain of the crocodile as it methodically picks out which victim it's going to be and, um, and then going for it. It's, it's really kind of a frenzy. It's very fascinating to watch. And sometimes they'll, you know, they'll take down two or three of them so that they have meals uh, for later. But it's, it's just a fascinating thing, the way that nature works and the, the pecking order, the methodical hunting skills that these animals develop when there's really, you know, there's nothing to teach them that. They just have that natural instinct. It's, it's that survival skill kicking in, um, something that they seem to have much more than people do really, really fascinating to me. And I've, I've watched a lot of these videos and I'm hoping that, you know, now that we have uh, a lot of drone cameras and things that they'll start using that instead of um, putting people in harm's way. And we'll be able to get more natural footage because the animals won't be distracted by the people and trying to figure out what they're doing and why they're there. And they can just go about their business sort of blissfully unaware. And, um, but it's, it's amazing nature videos to see how everything develops and reacts and hunts and, just absolutely fascinating the world that we live in. There's that part in every long journey where you're tired, you're you're exhausted, you don't really have anything left, and you just want to be home. And you know that it's not far, it's it's on the horizon, and you just want to get there. You want to be done with this trip. And this song really kind of represents that. The beginning of it was inspired by uh, a song called Oh from the Cirque du Soleil soundtrack Oh. It's a beautiful show that uh, performs here at the Bellagio. Of course, everything's on hiatus during COVID. But uh, I've seen the show a couple of times. It's absolutely amazing. But there's something about that song, the the final song, which is called Oh, and just the the gentleness of it. It's a little more piano oriented, but um, just the, the gentleness of it. It's such a beautiful piece. And I thought that would be a great way to start the um, the beginning of the end for this album. And so I just came up with, uh, with some sounds. I mean, that's really the only thing that relates to it is just the, the idea of that gentle, simple percussion, nothing uh, too layered, nothing too tricky or fancy, just something really simple that 
kind of represents that. I'm done using my brain. I'm tired of thinking. I'm tired of, you know, going over the memories and all that stuff. I just want to want to relax and get home and have a good meal and go to bed. And then as we progress through the song, when the uh, when the vocal section comes in a little bit later, that's where I sort of picture now you're you're turning into your neighborhood and then you're turning onto your street and then you're turning down that that long driveway to the house that's maybe uh, you know a house that's way back in the field and there's uh, you know uh, autumn leaves on the ground just everywhere and and you're hearing them uh, you know crackle underneath the tar- the tires of the car whatever the journey is for you you know don't let me paint that too much. That's just what I envisioned when I wrote it, but it could be anything. It could be whatever, whatever it means for you. And that's the beauty of music that, that, you know, the vocals in here, they aren't, um, they aren't lyrics. They aren't telling of anything. They're just really sounds, you know, using the voice as an instrument, which I really like in a situation like this, because I don't want to tell you, this is what you have to see when you listen to it. This is what you have to think. Here's the story I want you to follow. I want to give you the concept and then have you follow it yourself. Let it be whatever it is to you. That's the beauty is that it can mean anything to you. And as I learned very early on in my writing career, when I wrote the song Dreamscape, which was one of the first songs that I wrote, um, you know, I picture one thing and then people would say, oh, this reminds me of this or it makes me think of that or really wants me, makes me want to be in this other situation. And I love that because they were all so different and only a couple of people had sort of the same vision that I did, but that was okay. I didn't care if anybody did. The point was that it made them feel or think something, that it inspired something in them, something that made them feel warm and smile and, and want to be somewhere in, in that environment that they were creating in their head. For some people, it was flying. For some people, it was being under the water. For some people, it was the forest you know, any, anything, it doesn't really matter as long as it makes you inspired and feel something. So I take that concept now to everything that I do in an instrumental way is that, um, it's not about what I'm trying to say with the song. That meaning is really for me. What it's about is it's about you, the listener. What does this song inspire in you? What does it make you think of? Does it bring in any uh, memories? Does it trigger certain feelings? Does it make you remember a scent or a taste or anything, you know, anything that, that you sense from that song? And because music ties us so much to things that we've experienced, to memories that we have, it could easily, easily do that. Um, for example, the, song, the original song, The Looking Glass from the first Entranced album, it makes me think of uh, like a, a late autumn in Michigan, you know, where things are wet. It's a little bit dreary in the morning and, uh, you know, just everything's sort of turned those colors. Some of the trees no longer have any leaves on them. Just just like that aroma. It has a coolness to it, not a coldness, but a coolness to it. And it just it triggers that. And I hadn't been to Michigan in years. I hadn't lived there in a couple of decades. So it's it's a weird thing that it would make me think of that. But that's what it reminded me of. So whatever the music makes you feel is what works for you, is what it should mean. It doesn't matter what inspired it. It doesn't matter what I think of when I hear the song or what I was thinking of when I wrote the song. It's interesting to hear the stories, which is why I'm doing this, so that you can get a perspective on the background, but more so to just kind of give you an idea of this is basically about a journey and let that journey be whatever it is for you. Thank you guys for listening. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Please check out the album. Um, Most importantly, leave ratings, reviews, whatever you like. If you don't like it, leave it one star, but leave it something. If you love it, leave it five stars. That would be awesome. 
but uh, be honest about it. That's the thing. You know, I don't I don't want people to say, well, you're my friend. I want to leave you a five star review. It shouldn't be that if you think the album deserves five stars, give it five stars. If you think it deserves four, give it four. Um, you know, that's the way I've, I've always maintained that I think is the most important because it's it's either going to be a hit with you or it's not. And I totally accept that there is no right and wrong. Everybody has their taste. Everybody enjoys what they enjoy. Maybe, um, you know, you'll be inspired to listen to it based on some of the stories I've told today. Maybe not. I don't know. But I appreciate you taking the journey with me. Thank you very much, guys. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. <laughs>